Morning, church. Let me just press live first. Hang on, sorry. I think we're live. So, wow. Is that good? Before I get into my message this morning, the worship was just amazing. But I really felt just the presence of Jesus. So close. So I just want to take an opportunity just to share something. Uh, testimony. For those that was here on Tuesday, they, I, I shared this and bless Judith. She had the same word. She got it before me, so she's the spiritual one. <laughs> so Steph has been leading worship on a Tuesday night for the first half an hour, and then we'll just have ministry and prayer and whatever God decides to do. I don't know. Whatever he says, we'll try and do. And I want you to listen to something right now because I just feel, I feel Jesus so close. I see him standing at the door and he's knocking right now and he's saying, will you let me in? So on Tuesday as we are in worship, before we started, Ian and Suzanne, bless them, they prayed for my arm. I injured it at the gym, get one in there, I do work out. It's not all food. <laughs> so they prayed for me so I could feel something change already. And as we was in worship, I was stood there. And the whole of my left side went hot and warm. And I saw this image. Now you've got to understand, when we talk like this, it's, it's prophetically. Okay? So please don't get confused or just disregard what I'm about to say. But in the corner of my eyes, I stood there. I could see a figure of a man in a white robe. And I knew instantly it was Jesus. And he walked into the room and the worship intensified and the presence intensified. And all Jesus did was he just came in and he just sat and he was a part of our worship. And he just came and he was just a part of it. He didn't have to, there was no effort, there was no trying to do something. He just came and he sat and he enjoyed the worship. And Judith had the same word, she saw the same thing. And all I could do when I saw it, it was just like this, 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 my first thought was, wow, out of everywhere in the world, you came to Rayleigh Regis tonight to come and sit with us. There was what, 10 of us? 10 of us, 11 of us. And Jesus, you've come and you want to come and sit in the midst of us. And all I could do was just get on my knees and bow before him with just tears in my eyes, just thinking, wow, wow. It was such a beautiful moment, a precious moment. And this morning in, in worship, I saw the same thing. I just saw Jesus so close. And it was just a simple message this morning just to say to anyone, look, we're all about Jesus. If you're new to the church or you haven't been for a while, we're in love with Jesus. If you don't know him, or if you've got something going on in your life right now, and you've closed your heart to him, I saw Jesus this morning just standing, as the Bible says, standing at the door and knocking, and he's saying, will you let me in? This isn't about anything else right now, other than I love you, and I want to be a part of your life. So just close your eyes, will you, for me? Nothing freaky is going to happen, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's not that kind of church. Just close your eyes and just put your hands out. For anyone on Facebook that's watching that you don't know Jesus, maybe you was a Christian, maybe you've never been a Christian, just please listen to what I'm about to say. And if you want to take part, just you haven't got to close your eyes because nobody can see you on Facebook anyway. But if you're at home, just put your hands out. Just, act, just let Jesus just do something in your life right now that might change the rest of your life. If you want to repeat after me in your own heart, you haven't got to say it out loud. Jesus, thank you that you're knocking at the door of my heart right now. And I want to let you in. I want to let you be a massive part of my life. Because you're the only one. Jesus, will you forgive me of rejecting you before? Even if you're a Christian, we still reject sometimes because of our hurts, because of our insecurities. Jesus, will you forgive me at times when I've rejected you? But I thank you that you still came to me and you're still knocking on the door of my heart right now. Jesus, I'll give my heart to you. If you want to give your heart to Jesus this morning, even if you're a Christian, but you know you're struggling, you've walked away, and this morning you want to make a declaration, just raise your hand, there's only me looking. Thank you. And just pray this prayer in your own heart. Jesus, thank you for your blood. That's forgiven me and washed me clean of all sin. But I'm not just a sinner. I was born to be a son and a daughter. And you're in love with me and I thank you for your love. I give you my life this morning, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and live in my heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Round of applause for God. <laughs> awesome. If anybody prayed that prayer and you want to speak to me privately after, just grab me. Literally, you can just grab me. I don't mind. The wife does it anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> so, this morning, I don't know if you remember last week, I kind of said I was going to share um, a word that God gave me for the next season. And I never did, because he gave me another word. I thought, you know what, God, please, just let me speak this word. Don't give me another one. And he never did, so that's what he did. And I blame Danny Michelle. She put something on, on, on a message to me. Um, and it was powerful. Something from a guy who was part of, the, you know, the Maverick City worship. What's the, the main guy's name? Is it Chandler Moore? He, he shared something in a message. And Cookie, that's, that's a nickname. Well, that's a real name, Cookie. <laughs> And she sent it to me and I was just inspired. So I might leave that one for next week. So this morning, I want to share a word that God gave me. And it was actually gave me during the Tuesday night prayer meeting. And it was on the 14th of September. I want to repeat that. It was on the 14th of September. That was two months ago. I've kept this for two months. It's been killing me. I said to Tim... Before any changes took place in the church, I sat with Tim and I spoke to him and I shared this word briefly for those that were here on the Tuesday night. I shared it briefly and then I told Tim that the words and he was like, that's like awesome. I was going to share with that Sunday and I just felt, you know what, I don't think it's the right time because I knew there was changes coming. And I thought it kind of makes sense for God to give us a word for the next season when the church knows 
there's changes that's took place. You know, with me becoming associate pastor, with Tim taking a break, with different changes going on in the church, there'll be more changes going on. So it makes sense now to speak this word. What I love about this word when I share it is you'll begin to realise it's not a new word. It's something Tim's already been doing. And that's what I love about this word. So on the 14th of September, I need to give you the full picture and understanding, okay? So, Steph was leading worship. And Tristan Plant came. Now, I don't know if you know this. Does anybody know his middle name? It's Tristan speaking in tongues plant. All right, if anybody wants to know. And I was literally standing over there. So all the action seems to be over there if you want to come on a Tuesday. <laughs> and I have to tell you the truth. And sorry, Tristan, I don't mean to put you on the spot. But I have to tell you as it is. So Tris came, and you know he all loves to speak in tongues, and he's beautiful when he speaks in tongues. I don't know if Whitney thinks the same, but it is beautiful. <laughs> but I have to say how powerful the Holy Spirit is, right? In that Tris wasn't speaking out loud in tongues. He was stood behind me, and he was praying to himself, and he wasn't even long. I heard a drop. I heard one bit of the Spirit. And straight away from what Tris was speaking in tongues, from praying in the Spirit, which was brief, God showed me this picture. I want you to know that, because that's how he works. He doesn't need this massive audience. He doesn't need a great anointing. You don't need to be on a pedestal. You can just come and get in the spirit and let God speak. So thank you, Trish. Because of you, now I have a word for the next season. <laughs> come again. So I saw this picture, and I did plan to have some pictures, images to put up that Tyler created for me, but with technical issues, we couldn't get it up. So I'll do it next time. And the picture that I saw was of dry ground. And it was like a desert. But it was like dry, like it was cracked. It was so dry. And then I saw a picture of a tap. And it was a long tap along the floor. And the tap came up a silver, like a silver tap. There you go. Wow, thank you. There you go. And the tap was just dripping. But as in the picture... It wasn't, it was just literally dripping, like one drop onto the dry ground. And then behind the tap, I saw a well. The tap was connected to a well. And then God said to me, I want to soak the dry ground with my spirit. And then as you see in the picture, I know it's not that big, but as you see in the picture, you see a village behind. I saw a village behind the tap. And God said to me, with one drop from this tap, I can fill that whole village. Imagine what I can do when it's on full flow. And then he said, showed me that as the tap began to drip and it turned into water, he said the water then turned into a river. Ian, can you get Ezekiel 47 up? Yes, please. Verse 8. So this water, as it began to drip from the tap, it turned into a river. And Ezekiel 47 if we can get it up. It's called the river of life. Ezekiel sees the temple in heaven. And this river begins to flow from the right side of the temple. Who sat at the right side of the Father in heaven? So he's telling you of what's going on on the day of Pentecost, really, in a sense. The, the river flowed out from the right side. It's called the river of life. So verse 8 then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, 
its waters are healed. Next verse. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. And God said to me that as this river of life flows, the rivers will be like the ministries within the church. There will be ministries in this church set up. There already are. And every ministry will be like the river of life that flows. And everything that the ministries of the church touch, it will produce life. And anyone that the ministries of the church touch, it will give them life. Amen? I don't know if you got that. This is the river of life that wherever it flows, it gives life. Jesus, John 10, 10, the devil comes to what? Steal, kill and destroy. But I have come to give what? And life. You don't get that abundant life without the river of life flowing. Without the Holy Spirit flowing. Without the Holy Spirit coming upon. But we have to allow that flow to take place. And I believe God is speaking prophetically over the church and saying that whatever the ministries look like, whatever they are, when they set up, when they're flowing out of the church, whoever they touch, they will give life. Amen? So I was just, this all came from Tristan, just literally like the drop in the spirit, just speaking in tongues. And I, was, and I shared a brief, this word briefly. And then the next morning, I had this word in my heart. And God started to speak to me and he took me to the day of Pentecost. So Ian, can we go to um, Acts 1? Verse 4, please. So the next morning, I've got this word on my heart. It's all really strong. And this is what God shows me. So he took me, took me to the day of Pentecost. And this is what Acts 1, 4 says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Can you go to verse 8 as well, please? But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So there's two things that Jesus says that they will receive. The promise and the power. The promise of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not what he was showing me. That's not what he brought my attention to. It was back in verse 4. And notice it says, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. And that was powerful. And God spoke to me. See, a lot of us focus on the promise and the power. But I believe the word wait is the most overlooked word in the whole of this scripture. Yet it's the most significant part of Pentecost. And this is what God said to me. He said, everyone wants another day of Pentecost. And everyone wants another outpouring of the Spirit. But not everyone wants to wait. Not everyone wants to stay in the waiting place. The waiting place is where you prepare. 
and the preparation for Pentecost is just as important as Pentecost itself. In other words, as significant as the day of Pentecost was, and it's one of the most significant events in the history of the Bible, it all depended on the waiting. God said to me that when Jesus spoke those words to the disciples and said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power, we know that that was for 10 days. From the day that Jesus rose from the dead till he ascended was 40 days. And then from the day that he gave this command, when he ascended back to heaven, to the day of Pentecost, 10 days. And he said, I want you to wait. And God said to me that when Jesus spoke to the disciples, he gave them a mandate. It was a mandate. And this is what God said to me. I'm giving you a mandate for the next season. And he took me back to the picture of the dry ground. And this is what he said. Do you remember the first picture that I saw? It was of dry ground. And there was a tap. And it was dripping. And this is what he says. This is the mandate. To wait until the dry ground has been soaked with my spirit. Then it will turn into a river. And I believe that's our word, that's our mandate as a church for this next season. There will be ministries. There will be salvation. There will be healing. And it will be like the river of life. That's a promise to this church. It's a word from God. But I believe he's, ask, he's asking us right now in this season to wait on him. The waiting was the most powerful part of Pentecost, not just the outpouring of the Spirit. Because let me tell you this. What would have happened if they never waited? I wonder if Pentecost would have ever happened. I wonder if the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would have took place when it did. What if they just went their own way? We don't need to do church. We don't need to come together. It's okay, it's on Facebook. There is power in the waiting. Because in the waiting, you're revealing your true intention to him. What are you in this for? What do you want out of it? And I believe God is not questioning, it's not a question of commitment. Because that's not the kind of preacher I am. He's saying, I want you to come and meet me. Just like Tuesday when he walked in the room and he sat with us. And there's a reason and there's a purpose for this. And I want to show you to finish. In the waiting place is where they prepared for the day of Pentecost. The waiting is so significant. So what did they do in the waiting? There was 10 days. Don't forget, this wasn't easy for the disciples. They were in the midst of persecution. In fact, before Jesus gave this command, the Bible says they were all locked in a room for fear of the Jews, for fear of the religious leaders. And the Bible says Jesus walked in through the wall and the first word he spoke was peace to you. He stepped into the midst of their fear and he spoke peace. Because he knew he had to do something in the midst of that waiting to prepare for what he was about to do through the ministry of the church. Okay? So this is what they did in the waiting. Can you go to Acts, uh, saying one, and then go to verse 14, Ian? 
And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it the New King James, then I'll on here, and I'll just got two other versions, and I'll just read it from my phone. So this is what they was doing during the waiting time. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication, with the women and, the, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So what were they doing during those 10 days? So Jesus gives them command. He gives them a mandate. He says, I want you to wait until the day of Pentecost. They made a decision. They chose to obey that word. They waited for whatever God was about to do. And he says, and they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. The NLT version says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. The Amplified says this, all these with one mind and one purpose were continually devoting themselves to prayer. In brackets it says, waiting together. There is power in unity. There is power in coming together and worshipping the name of Jesus. It will be the most powerful thing you can ever do. But there's something else that I want to show you. There's two things and then I will promise I'll, I'll leave you alone. In Acts 1.15, next verse, mate. I want you to notice that who was there. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples in brackets, it says, altogether, the number of names was about 120. So we know on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people. This promise wasn't just given to the 12. Now, this is significant, so please listen. This wasn't just given to the 12. It wasn't just given to the select few. It wasn't just given to the anointed and the appointed. It wasn't just given to members of the church. This was given to every single person it was given to all 120. The mandate was given to every single person in that room to partake of what God was about to do. And I thought God said the same over this church. This isn't just for me, standing here with a mic. This is for somebody who's maybe your first day hanging sat at the back and you don't know anybody is. God's saying, this is for you. I want everyone to be included in this next season, just like the 120 were. I want us to come together in unity. And I want us to wait for him, to have an encounter with him. In fact, the number 120, this is what it means. A divinely appointed time of waiting. It wasn't a coincidence that there were 120 people on the day of Pentecost. That means, though, they wasn't just there on the day. They were there for every single day waiting for Jesus to turn up together. That's powerful. And I just want to leave you with this. In the waiting, look, I don't like to wait. I want something, I'll stay some game to get it now. And then the argument starts because I came back with a 55-inch TV or something that I wasn't meant to get. I'm not good at waiting. I don't like waiting. But I've had to learn to wait. Because in that place when I've waited on him, my life's been completely transformed. In fact, sometimes it's kind of like I have two choices in the waiting place. I can go that way and give it all up. Or I can stay in the fight. I can wait for one encounter with Jesus for him to touch my life and fall in love with him and go after him. It will be a battle sometimes in the waiting because we're not good at waiting. I don't want to come on a Tuesday prayer meeting and only see 10 people and the presence doesn't turn up and we're bored. I don't want that. 
But I'll tell you something now. When there's been eight people, ten people, twelve people, God's presence turned up every single Tuesday. Not because of the people that's turned up, because he's honoured this church. Because we opened our hearts and said, Jesus, what's Tim been doing for years? Tim, for me, transformed my prayer life. Instead of coming to God with a list of requests and telling him what I think he needs to do, and then ending my prayer, oh, but if it's your will, by the way, don't worry, if it's not, then I'll stay sick. I'll stay without, because if it's not your will. It's a deprived spirit. It's a spirit of religion. Instead, Tim's allowed me to come into the present stages. I'm going to wait on you. And when I've learned to wait on him, the encounters that I've had with Jesus has been truly life-changing. It saved my life. And that was in the waiting. So I want to show you something that Jesus says to the disciples. And it's in John 15, verse 26. Yeah, 15, verse 26. This is in reference to what he's saying about Pentecost. So Jesus already told them what was going to happen before it happened. Not just in Acts, but even in John. So John John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, you know the Helper is? It's the Holy Spirit. Whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of who? Wow. That's powerful. The job of the Holy Spirit isn't just to come with an anointing to anoint us to go do stuff. The job of the Holy Spirit, what was my message last week? Jesus, his number one priority is to reveal the Father. The number one priority of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. The Holy Spirit cannot lead you to the Father. He leads you to Jesus. And it's Jesus that leads you to the Father. None of us can come to the Father without the sacrifice of Jesus and his blood. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to me, sorry, no one comes to the Father except through me. Not even the Holy Spirit can bring you to the Father outside of Jesus. So the job of the Holy Spirit and everything that Pentecost represents and everything that we represent as a church, right, is for the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus. That's beautiful. That is awesome. So when we're in that waiting place and the Holy Spirit comes and the presence comes and the power and the anointing, all it's for is to give us a revelation of how awesome Jesus is. Amen? There's something else that I want to show you and then, and then I'll, I will be done. I've got to find the scripture and go. It was in Acts. And I've lost the scripture now and gone. It's the one where, I can't find the scripture now, but it's where Jesus 
tells the disciples, it's, I think it's in Acts, in, uh, go back to Acts 1. It's the one where he gives them the commission. Verse 8. Sorry, bit of work there. I want you to notice a word in here that completely changes the meaning and the purpose of this scripture. So I know that Jesus gave a great commission, right? We're called to, to go and make disciples. We're called to preach the gospel. Absolutely. That will be done from this church always. It will be a priority to preach the gospel and to preach Jesus. But notice that the, the change in the word. For you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. It doesn't say for me. One word completely changes the whole interpretation of this scripture. What does that mean then? It means there is a calling to preach the gospel, to preach Jesus, for souls to be saved. Amen? But there's also a purpose in witnessing to him. Not just for him, to him. So as we are living life, this Christian life, and we're living whatever God's purpose and calling on your life, I want you to imagine it's like this. I hope this doesn't look too stupid. So you're walking, you're living life, and your whole purpose is to move forward in life. But sometimes we're so focused on everything else that we forget to focus on him. And it's a simple transaction from for to imagine walking, but your head is lifted to heaven. Your focus is on him. Jesus, I'm living my life. I'm doing what you've asked me to do, but I'm in fellowship with you. I'm in fellowship with you, Jesus. I'm in love with you. My first priority is to be in relationship with you. I want to witness to you. I want to worship the name of Jesus. I want to come and get on my knees and fall in love with you every single time because your presence never fails to turn up. doesn't matter what I've done in that week, how sinful I may have been as the good old Baptist log to preach. It doesn't matter whether I'm broken and I have a thousand pieces that I don't know how to put back together. He will turn up every single time. But I believe he wants to change our direction, our understanding to say, Jesus, I've been doing all this stuff to try and make myself feel better. But you've given this church a word and mandate to wait on you. So while we're waiting, I'm going to change my focus and my direction. I'm not going to look that way. I'm going to look there. And I'm going to say, Jesus, even if this all fails and it goes wrong and I don't know where to go next, I'm going to fix my eyes on you because you said to witness to you. That means I've got to come as I am. That means if I've committed a crime <laughs> in the week, it doesn't matter what I've done. I need you to understand the picture that I saw this morning. He is standing there and I can't tell you how close he wants to be to you. He is so in love that he has made his number one purpose to know for you to know him. The purpose of the cross wasn't just because we are sinners. It's because the Father is so in love with us. And everything that Jesus wants to do is bring it to him. So in that waiting place, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be encounters. There's going to be freedom. There's going to be healings. But there's going to be a revelation of Jesus. And you know what? I don't care. If we don't start any ministries until every single one of us come to know him. 
That's our purpose and our goal right now. Amen? But I also don't believe it's going to be last long, you know. Jesus actually said, not many days from now. He didn't give a specific time, which I know, Jesus, can we have a date, time, venue, rota, system, tell us exactly how it's going to happen. Let it get messy. Because I'm, I'm inviting you now. And Tim has been doing the same for years, so we owe a lot to Tim. And I've already said this, Tim laid the foundation for this church for us to come and do what we're doing. Never going to take that away. It will always remain. I want us to come and soak the ground. And you know when you're done and you've got everything that you can give him, soak the ground for somebody else that may not know how to get into the spirit, that may not know how to find Jesus the way that you can. You might walk in this church and be so used to the presence that you can just step in. Don't take it as liberty. Have a look around. See someone who might be struggling and think, do you know what? I'm going to lift them up today. Because I want them to know Jesus the way I know him. And when we come together in love, it'll be the strongest foundation we can ever have. And if you don't see anyone struggling, pray for somebody out there. God, maybe this community is dry. Maybe we're not preaching the gospel. Maybe we're not out there. Maybe we're not doing what we're called to do. So you know what I'm going to do? You've told us to come and wait. So while I'm waiting on you, I'm going to lift up some names. I'm going to lift up Rowley Regis. I'm going to lift up the family whose house set on fire and has lost everything. I'm going to lift up Ian this morning. Just found a guy. You know what Ian's like. <laughs> just a guy. Just literally just sat down on the wall. Bang, Ian standing there. Like he just appeared out of nowhere. Ian was not even in the same street when this man sat down. It was like when Philip was transported and outran the chariot. And all he simply said was, I can see you look unwell, can I pray for you? Obviously, you ain't going to say no. Ian forces you anyway. <laughs> you know? And so Ian prays for him. I've had an opportunity to, to witness to some guys when I've been out. I don't know them. I, I, well, I knew one guy from years ago from work. And I've been able to use church, the podcast, Facebook, tell them my testimony, tell them about Jesus. Because while I'm waiting and I'm getting revelations of him, I have to be honest, my heart is desperate for people to know him. I can't emphasize enough, and I know I'm going on now, and I promise I shut up. But please get this right. I want people to know Jesus. Because we've heard him, we've got nothing. And it's about time we put our insecurity aside and just tell someone a simple message. And if you don't know how to evangelize and you're a bit, tell them about the podcast. Just say, hey, look, I attend this church. It's awesome. It's on fire for Jesus. <laughs> and if you don't want to come, we have a podcast called Regis Christian Fellowship. I had a message this week from someone who hasn't been to the church in a long time text me saying, I'm just listening to your message on the podcast on the way to work. I've listened to it twice. I'm not here to get proud, but that blessed me. You know, I have insecurities as well. People out there, let them know Jesus. Amen? And let that river of life flow. And everything that we touch, everything that his spirit touches, there will be life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening.